One Charlie. Mark, one Charlie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. T minus 37 seconds. The fight is going. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovations. And growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Hey, 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 and welcome to Finding Your Frequency. I am your special guest host, Camille Nash, sitting in for our company's president and CEO, Jeffrey Spinard, and vice president of broadcast operations, Ryan Treasure. So today we're going to be talking about champion, being a champion. What does it take to become a champion? What does it take? The secret really is so simple, yet so basic and overlooked by many. Success in and out of sports is directly related to how willing you are to venture outside of your comfort zone. It's not the natural talent, the physical gifts, or the training advantages that separate the best from all the rest. It is instead the simple habit of getting comfortable being uncomfortable. That drives an individual to do just a little bit more than everyone else, to go a little harder, run a little faster, make that extra sacrifice. These people, they are never satisfied with simply doing a good job. They are continually looking for the competitive edge, for a better way, for a new angle that the opponent hasn't seen yet or even thought of doing. Simply put, These individuals are not satisfied with doing just their best. They are successful because they do what I like to call W-E-I-T, whatever it takes. And today's guest, he is certainly no stranger to being a champion. His name, well, life for this this gentleman is no coincidence. He's a Cleveland native just like me and the father of two sons, a husband, has spent over a decade honoring his faith and following a path to his destiny. Music was present in his whole household and he'll talk about that today. But in high school, this young man, well, I'll tell you who he is. His name is Jason Champion from Cleveland. And in high school, Jason and David, David, who is also known as David Tolliver, the nephew of the then-famed Cleveland radio programmer Lynn Tolliver. The duo formed a group entitled R&B Group Men at Large. Their self-titled debut album and their follow-up recording One Size Fits All catapulted the young duo to the stratosphere, singing, traveling the world, and enjoying all the perks that being young recording stars afforded them. After just two years on the road, touring and singing with Franklin, uh, well, I I should tell you, I I missed one little component, that he was a part or connected with gospel trailblazer Kirk Franklin, with whom he was previously acquainted during the Minute Large era. Champion contributed to the Franklin's Hero album and tour in March 2005. After simply two years on the road, touring and singing with Franklin, Champion connected with former road manager Leonard Brooks of Brooks Entertainment Group, who vowed to create a new opportunity with him as a solo artist. In 2009, Champion's first solo album received industry recognition by the Recording Academy, earning him his first Grammy nomination for Best Gospel Album of the Year. Champion's single went on to reach number one on Billboard's Gospel Single Charts. So, allow me for a brief moment to share and introduce to some and present to others that in the form of Jason Champion, are you there? Hey, how are you? <laughs> hey there, how are you? I'm wonderful. I, I, I'm listening to that resume and I'm like, man, who's she talking about? I did all of that stuff? You did all that. You did all of that. We, you did all of that. And um, that's part of why we've invited you on to talk today, uh, because I am a Cleveland native, as you know, and we're extremely proud of the things that you've been able to accomplish. And um, today's topic is all about the fight of and the weight of a champion. So tell the audience a little bit about you of what I didn't already share. <laughs> Welcome to Finding Your Frequency. <laughs> Thank you for having me so much. Um, I mean, you, you pretty much ran down the gamut of you know, all of the things that God has blessed me to be a part of. I've been doing music since I was, you know, since I can remember, five, six, seven, raised in church. Yeah. 
father and family, everybody sang, so it's what you did. You grew up in church and you sang, and, you know, you, you don't really pay attention to the trajectory at the time because you're young and you don't know what God is doing and what's happening, but mm-hmm. you're just doing, you know, one audition after the next. And, yes. You know, you're putting one foot in front of the other, and before you know it, you look back and you left this trail of, of just wonderful experiences that God has allowed you to, to partake of. And so I went from, you know, elementary school, doing all the talent shows, winning some of them, mm-hmm. losing some of them, junior high school, winning some of them, losing some of them, high school. And in high school, uh, I formed a partnership. Well, we had been friends for, you know, forever because our moms were best friends for 30 years, and that's David Tolliver. And so we would do all of the little local festivals and talent shows in Cleveland, and we met Gerald Levert and the great late Gerald Levert, and he wanted to, he had this grandiose idea of, you know, putting together this group. And at the time when we met him, I was 10, David was 13, and that never happened. Well, mm-hmm. when, when I was 17, David used to dance for a Cleveland, local Cleveland uh, icon, Johnny O and the, the sort get, I think it was Johnny O and the, I can't remember if it was Johnny O and the Get Fresh crew or Johnny O and the Source crew. <laughs> okay. But Johnny O had dancers, and ironically, David was a dancer for Johnny O, and the same place that they rehearsed was the same building where Gerald had his studio. And so as as chance, well, as I know it, as God would have it, he was coming out, and Gerald was coming in one day, and Gerald said, hey, man, whatever happened to that fella that I met years ago with you and him? Yeah. And he's got, got this idea, I want to put a group together, you know. And Dave called me up, and the next day we were down at Trouble Trouble Productions, and mm-hmm. we auditioned for Gerald. And yeah, I remember that. Come back the next day, and the next day we came back. Now, mind you, I'm eleventh. I'm in, in the eleventh grade at the time, so hey, this school. is all like just crazy to me. So mm-hmm. the next day we go back and we audition. He said, "I want you to meet somebody else." We didn't know who it was, and when we got there, we had to audition for his father, um, the legendary Eddie Levert of the legendary OJ's, and so it was just. An amazing time, an amazing experience, and that was the beginning of my professional career in music. And at the time, I was 17 and in the 11th grade. And um, as you know, we went on to do some really great things with Men at Large. I did that for seven years, and then I took some time off. You know, God called me out of R&B, and I had to sit down and and, uh, just kind of be discipled by him. And then Kirk Franklin came calling. And so I, so I want to I want to jump in for just a second because we're going to take a brief break. And when we come back, I want you to to finish the story about Men at Large and the transition to Kirk Franklin. Is that all right? Okay. So we're going to take Absolutely. a quick break and we'll be right back. Those of you that are listening, I want to invite you to go on over to the Facebook Variety fan page. That's Voice America Variety fan page. Like the page and we'll be right back and just on the other side of the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends. You set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Welcome back to the show. You are listening to Finding Your Frequency. I am your special guest host, Camille Nash, sitting in for Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. And today we're talking about the weight of a champion. Joining us in the conversation is Grammy Award winner, 
recording artist or Grammy-nominated recording artist, Jason Champion. And before we went to the break, uh, as you all know, this show is entitled Finding Your Frequency. I like to refer to it as Finding Your Purpose. And Jason was just beginning to share how he started this path uh, as a as a young person and uh, in R&B music. So, Jason, finish up where you were talking about the, the group Men at Large that many people know about. So, yeah, so we did that from, I was in the 11th grade, I was 17 when we started recording our first album, and um, it came out, I think, shortly after I turned 18 uh, in the summer of 1992, I believe it was, uh, Use Me first aired, and um, I did Men at Large for about seven years, it was a great time, great experience, we recorded three albums, only two of which were released, the third one Mm -hmm. uh, was never released, Um, and so after that, the Lord called me out of R&B. Uh, I was in my basement one day and I could hear the voice of the Lord really clearly. This one of, I think, four times in my life where I could literally hear the voice of the Lord. And it's not an audible thing. It's yes. just an internal thing, but you can hear it so clear, you yes. know. And he just basically said, you know, your time is up. It's time to move on to something else. And I was devastated because I, I had come to, I got accustomed to the lifestyle that many large afforded me, flying on private jets and, right. you know, going all over the world, jet setting and, yes. you know, pocket full of money and, you know, you know, having a bunch of girlfriends. I mean, it was just, it was a great time. What young man it at was the age life. of 18, 19, yeah, <laughs> at the age of 18, 19, who wouldn't want that? Right, exactly. And so he called me out of that and I knew my life was getting ready to change. Like it was very sobering because I knew instantly when he said that, it's like God gave me this, this this panoramic thing that happened, and I knew instantly yeah. my life was getting ready to change. And so I I, I remember my grandmother saying she didn't care nothing about, <laughs> you know, being at large. She didn't Good care old grandmothers. About what she's talking about. All she wanted to do was get the trash taken out. <laughs> and if you're not going to do many large, you better do something because I right. need you to contribute to this household. Right. I went out and found a job, and I was a security guard. I remember... Um, just allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me as I got up one day, and I, I didn't know. I was young in my faith, so I didn't know how this worked. I said, mm-hmm, Lord, mm-hmm. wherever you lead the car, that's where I'm going to end up. And I went to three places, and the very last place I went to um, was a, a pastor. He was a pastor who, who had a you know day job, and, yeah, and we yeah. talked, and I met him, and you know he said, man, I don't really know what it is about you, but I like you, and uh, I want to hire you. And so I went back about a few days later, and when he handed me my security guard uniform, I just started bawling oh, in, the, wow. in, the, in the office because I knew it was almost like if anybody, you know, I'm a movie buff, I'm a movie lover. So it's, it's almost like if, if you remember the, the first earlier Superman movies when Superman wanted to not be Superman anymore right. because he was in love with Lois Lane and he wanted to be a regular guy. Yes, yes, so of course. So he went into that machine. His father allowed him to go in that machine. And once he went in there, when he came out, he had on regular clothes and he was a regular guy. He didn't have superpowers anymore. And that's what it felt like that's, when the yeah. guy gave me that mm. uniform. I didn't have the superpower of being men at large and the fame and the, and the TV and the magazine interviews. I didn't have it anymore. And it, it wasn't what defined me. I was clear even then as a young man, it was not what defined me. What I was afraid of losing was the... The, the the popularity that it afforded me in the platform. I was still Jason Champion. I wasn't afraid to go get a mm. job and have people say, hey, I remember you. Aren't you so-and-so? That's not what bothered me. Yes. What bothered me is that I was now no longer Superman and I had to be a regular guy. And I did that for a little while and God gave me another job at a, at a, at a nursing facility. And it was at that nursing facility where I worked from 11 at night to 7 in the morning where God really, really mm-hmm. developed me as, yes. a, as a man of faith because all I could do, I only had to make rounds periodically to go check on the floors. But So literally all I was doing was sitting at my desk. And from 11 to 7, I read my Bible. And it was at that time that God really um, you know, deposited some really great things in, in me. And... Uh, I had met Kirk Franklin when I was in Minute Large, and we lost touch. Mm-hmm. And in 2003, okay. we got we got uh, reacquainted, and he had some ideas and some things that he wanted to do, and uh, we lost touch again. And then in 2004, I came home. I was getting divorced, and I was living in an apartment. I came home. There was an eviction notice on my apartment door. Wow. And wow. I didn't know what I was going to do because I had just got let go. They downsized, and I had a really good job, and... Um, I had this eviction notice and I sat on the floor and I was in tears <laughs> just like God, man. 
I get this voicemail. Now, I haven't talked to Kirk in years. Yes, okay. And I got this voicemail saying, Champ, I'm going to be in Cleveland on this date. I need you to come down. I want to talk to you about something. On the same day? On the same day? On the same day I got the eviction notice. Same day. But I didn't know what it was. Mm Mm-hmm. So, because earlier when I had first got married, he offered me to go on tour. Okay. And I remember like a dummy fasting and praying. And I wasn't really a dummy, <laughs> but I felt like a dummy. Right. I fasted and I prayed and I was like, I'm a new husband. I got these new little kids. Right, of course. And I really felt that the Lord didn't want me to go on the road for three months to make some really nice money, but then come home and have to start all over again. And I had a good job. Mm-hmm. So I fasted and prayed and I felt like the Lord was leading me not to take it. So I'm sitting at whatever restaurant we were, and I'm telling Kurt Franklin, no, I'm not going. And I'm thinking, you big dummy. <laughs> but, but God is such a, you know, you know, there are times when mm-hmm. things don't go the way you want them to. And I yes. know there are a lot of, a lot of your listeners who, mm-hmm. you know, I, I try to paint both sides of the picture because I realize that, you know, being, being of the faith, Christian faith, it's not really always great and wonderful. There are some times when it's really low and it's really devastating. But Absolutely. just like God, when I told him no, and I was obedient to what I felt like the Lord was leading me to say, he comes back around full circle. I go to the concert in Cleveland. We go out to breakfast. It's about one in the morning, and he goes, Champ, I want you to come to Dallas and record this album with me, and I want you to move there and you know be there for six months and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> what? Yeah. Easy decision. This was November, though. Okay. And I still had the eviction notice, and I still mm. didn't have a job. Even I couldn't get a job at McDonald's. They told me I was overqualified. I couldn't find a job, and a good friend of mine, Lafayette Carthage, I talked to him about it, and he said, man, follow the provision. Who was that, Lafayette? Had, Lafayette Carthage? Lafayette Carthage. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, and he gave me, I'll never forget what he said. He said, follow the provision. And what he meant was, yeah. I told him that my grandmother and my mother were in Georgia, and my grandmother was sick. And they needed me to come down anyway. And he said, don't worry about, you know, this, that, the third. He said, follow the provision. In other words, Mm -hmm. wherever God is providing, that's where you know your next move is. I didn't want to come to Atlanta because I didn't want to leave my children. But I came to Atlanta. My grandmother had colon cancer. Mm. She and I were cool, but we weren't, like, great. And during that (laughs) whole year and a half I was down in Atlanta, my mom and aunt had to go to work. So they couldn't really take her back and forth to chemo. So for a year and a half, I took her back and forth to chemo, and my grandmother and wow. I built this wonderful relationship, and That's I was powerful. able to, to take care of her when, you know, they needed me there. And mm-hmm, so him mm-hmm, telling me mm-hmm. to follow the provision, that was absolutely, you know, the word of the Lord. And so in November, I left. Kirk would call me once a month and say, hey, man, I'm working on some things. I didn't forget about you. December, January, and then February came, and he said, champ, check your mail in a couple of days. March, uh, March the 1st, I got a contract in the mail for me to, to sign up and do the, the, uh, the album that I forget it's called the, I forget what album it's called. Hero. You forgot. The Hero album. Hero. Yes. Um, the one with imagine me and looking for you. I'm oh, on that yeah. record. Yeah. And I moved to Texas and it was a wonderful experience. He paid me just a ridiculous amount of money to do absolutely what I love to do, which is sing. And, uh, from there I met Warren Campbell um, who is the husband of Erica Campbell, and we developed a relationship. And once my time with Kirk was up, um, he, you know, brought me on board, and now I'm signed on to My Block Records. And I left a lot out because I know we don't have a lot of time. We do. We, we, we've got plenty of time to talk. <laughs> what, what is he talking so, about? We've got plenty of time to talk okay, right now. Okay, so so when I, when I was done with Kirk, he had to downsize. Yeah, okay. I did Kirk for about four years, and he had to downsize because it was 11 singers, Six band members, a DJ, his road manager. It was about 20 of us on the road. So when you brought Kurt Franklin, it was expensive. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you so in order for him to keep working in this climate, in this market, yeah. you know, he had to downsize. So I was one of the singers. There was five singers he let go. And I was one of the singers he let go. And mm-hmm. once again, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I didn't want a solo. I didn't want a solo deal. I didn't want to do solo at all. Because so you rather stay with me. you rather stayed with Kirk Franklin. Uh, you weren't really embracing the whole idea of a single career or, or as a soloist career at all. No, I had been in many large, which means I had somebody on the side of me I could okay. lean on. I was in Kirk with Kirk <laughs> yeah, Franklin. That's heavy. I was just I was just a background singer, so I didn't have to be out front. So here it is. You're asking me to be a lead singer and have my own solo record and be just myself, and that 
petrified the bejesus out of me. Mm. And so God puts me in situations. I look back over my life. He always puts me in situations, even with the Kirk Franklin thing. I was scared to death to do that, but I had just got an eviction notice and I had kids. And so God always puts me in when, when something big in my life happens, it's generally when something really uh, a major change is mm-hmm. taking place and I have mm-hmm. to say yes. And and that's like, usually what say- happens to a lot of people. That happens to yes. a lot of people. Uh, you know, a lot of times no just means that that's not the direction for you to go in at that moment. It may not be entirely forever, uh, but it definitely is in that moment. And I want to kind of jump in there for a minute. I want to ask you, what would you say was your, who or what was your greatest teacher during that time? During the time when I was when I got let go from Kirk or when I when I quit Minute Large. When you were transitioning from uh, from Minute Large going to Kirk and then, you know, that has now run its course and now you're being told, Okay, this is not going to happen any longer. What was what was well, your greatest teacher during that time? Well, from Minute Large to Kirk there was a there was a year a year or two in between and my greatest teacher at that time was um, I just dove heavy into my 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 faith mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it sounds yep. cliche but really that's all I had you know I was a young man um, and God really walked me through some pitfalls and some valleys and taught me you know in those silent moments you know who he was and how I could lean and depend on him and then you know like I said earlier when I first started you know you look back you don't realize at the time because yeah. you're living life right you don't realize that God is ordering certain steps absolutely you have to take a moment mm-hmm. and then go wow I see how God set that up. He set that up, but you don't realize it at the time because you're trying to survive. Yeah, yeah. And during that time, he was my greatest teacher. And then when I got with Kirk and Kirk let me go, um, I once again was faced with, what do I do? I need a job. And here's this this guy, Leonard Brooks, who I used to know from Men at Large. He was our Mm -hmm. role manager. And he has a a label deal with Capitol Records. And he's like, yo, you want to make a record? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah, but I didn't. I really didn't. Well, but because knew, you said you were afraid of the whole soloist I career. I was afraid. Yeah. I was afraid. But I knew better than to let my mouth write a check that I wasn't willing to cash. So right. I knew I needed to, to, to take advantage of the opportunity. So I let my fears and all of my doubts, I, I smothered those things. And I said yes by faith. I didn't want to, but I said yes. We flew mm-hmm. to Nashville. I met with the... Now, mind you, most people claw and clamor to get these kind of meetings and with 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 Gerald, with Kirk, with Warren, with Capital, God is I have never had to like send my demo out and Come I know on. Some, All people right. have, some people have to do that and I yeah. don't begrudge that. I'm all I'm saying is, is I, I'm appreciative of the favor that God has put on my life because literally this stuff was put in my lap. Mm. And I think it was that way because God knew that I wouldn't go get this <laughs> if it was up to me. I'm not right. going to do this because I don't want to. Yeah, you I'm did. sitting in the meeting with the head of Capital, the two, uh, the president and the CEO of Capital Records, and they're asking me, "So, what's your vision, Camille?" I didn't have a vision because mm. I didn't want to do that. So I just began to talk from my heart and say, "Well, you know, my vision is I want to infect change into people's lives and hearts. Yeah. I want to make music that that causes people to whatever bondages they find themselves yes. in." Yes if somehow listening to the music that Mm -hmm. God has blessed me to make can unearth them from those chains and unhook them from those, those strongholds, then I have accomplished what my heart's desire. I didn't have a vision, but I had a desire. Right. You didn't have a vision, but you had a desire and you decided that you would use your faith to help get you there. Now you touched on something that I want to definitely dig into a little further around, uh, you know, helping other people discover their space. But before I do that, uh, I, I have to ask you during that time when you really didn't believe, how did you, or when did you begin to believe? When did you begin to believe in yourself and move beyond the doubt? And how did you do it? Camille, I'm 44 years old. Today is December the 15th. There are days when I still don't believe. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are human. We are human beings. And just because we subscribe to, to faith and to kingdom and to heavenly business, God, that's why the man in the Bible said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. We are human. And I still struggle and battle like everybody mm-hmm. with 
days where I get on stage and I'm thinking all of these great people are before me are looking at me in the mm -hmm. audience. I don't belong here. I'm not good enough to be wow. here in front of these people. I still do that. Wow. The difference is, is that in my early career, I would voice my fears and my doubts and my, it would be, it would be the thing that consumed me and I would talk about it and I would propagate this image to people and mm. it would almost be like a woe is me and so I yeah. learned Martyrdism. I learned over the years that people Martyrdom. will treat you they'll treat you how you how you present yourself yeah yeah how you teach so them now, to treat you people treat you how you teach them to treat you right so now I still struggle I just don't it's not the focus of my life mm. I get on stage or I go to the studio and I just I, I walk this thing out I, I don't Another movie. It was a movie called *A Beautiful Mind*. And, yes. And he was a he was a schizophrenic, but he was a genius at the same time. Yep. Uh huh. And because of his experience of of talking to people that weren't there, towards the end of the movie, there was there was the question posed to him: Do you still see those people? Now he had come through medication and and had you know fought his way back to normalcy, even though he still battled with schizophrenia. Just because God heals you doesn't mean that you're not tempted by those same whatever those temptations are and he said Very to true. the people that asked him do you still see those people that don't exist he said i do but i don't answer them mm. in other words my fears your fears your listening audience their fears they're things that that clamor for their attention whether it be fear whether it be lust temptation gambling whatever it is homosexuality yes. whatever your thing is it's never going away. Being a Christian does not mean, unless God miraculously and supernaturally takes it away, most of the time that's not the process. The process is you have to live life, walk it out, and begin to mutter and utter those things that be, those things that be not as though they, they, as though mm -hmm. they were. Mm -hmm. So in other words, those things still bother me, yeah. but I don't answer them. When they're talking to me, I talk about faith. I talk about healing. I talk about truth. I talk. The Bible says that whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are True. honest, mm -hmm. just those are the things to think on these things. Yeah. So I want you, we're getting ready to take a break. So uh, right now I want to just take a, a quick switch and share with our listening audience. Uh, you're listening to Grammy nominated gospel recording artist Jason Champion who's sharing his story and what his journey has been like in finding his frequency. Those of you out there that believe you might have what it takes to host a show of your own, I want to share something with you. Voice America is hosting its very first, uh, the first of its kind in our company's history, a radio host contest. So if you believe you've got what it takes, we want to invite you to go on over to contest.voiceamerica.com. Again, that's contest.voiceamerica.com. The grand prize is your very own talk radio show or podcast, if that's your flavor, uh, including a producer, full production staff, marketing, branding, social networking, and an ad sales team valued at over $7,500. So we'll be right back on the other side of the break with our guest, Jason Champion. Don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends. You set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. You're tuned into Finding Your Frequency with hosts Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. Connect with the show. Call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Welcome back. You're listening to Finding Your Frequency. I'm your special guest host, Camille Nash. Sitting in for Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. We are talking to, or joining me today, is Grammy-nominated recording artist, Jason Champion. And before the break, he's talking a lot about his journey, uh, his frequency, his purpose, his passion, his drive in life. And uh, now I want to talk about how and what he's doing that's inspiring and encouraging people around the world. Uh, But before I do that, you know, oftentimes, Jason, people succeed in life and they forget to stay connected to the generation that's coming behind them or alongside them and uh, they really aren't willing to share the nitty gritty of what it takes to accomplish greatness so I know and understand that you've been on this journey of helping other people while you are working out your own journey so tell the listening audience a little bit about what you're doing okay so um, in 1992 May 1st 1992, which is my birthday, mm-hmm. um, my father, I turned 19, and my father died, he was almost a thousand pounds. That's Leonard at, Champion, Leonard Champion, mm-hmm. a very well-known. Mm-hmm. A, a thousand? He was almost a thousand pounds, wow. and I had to watch the firemen, like 10 firemen, they couldn't get him through the door, side door, front door, back door, because it was too big, so I watched them cut him, cut the, the front window out of the house. And take him through the front window. And um, I remember I was very, I've always been very lucid in moments like that. Like, I, like, oh my God, you know, it's very, very calm. And, you know, I, I understand what's happening in the moment. I understand that my dad is no longer here. He's transitioned and, and it hurts, but I am somehow wired differently that way. Um, and so we have a funeral and we bury him. And the next day after we bury him, I fly off to California to do my very first men at large gig on Soul Train. And so my life, my one thing was ending, you know, I had this other thing beginning. And I think that that helped to kind of um, shield me from um, the, the heaviness that I could have felt from grief. I grieved in my own way over the years, but because I had something to look forward to, something that was a dream of mine, um, I didn't grieve as great as I could have. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, I would, you know, always think about my dad and his obesity and how he left that legacy, unfortunately, for me and my siblings, my, my little brother, Jay Sean, my, my sister, Shantae. And, you know, I remember the Lord telling me years ago that every son, not that daughters won't, but especially with sons, every son will be confronted by their father's giants. Whatever your father's giant was, your son will be confronted by that giant. And it's been on my mind every day, all day, every day I go to sleep, every time I go to sleep, when I wake up, weight, you know, being heavy has always been at the forefront of my mind. And you go to the doctor when you're young, in the 20s, and they tell you, son, you know, you better get the weight off because when you get older, you know, your joints and this, that, and the third. And, you know, you, you mean well because, you know, you know what you got to do it, but... yeah. Obviously, weight is a stronghold. You like to eat or whatever your, <laughs> yes. your reason for being heavy is. Yeah. You know, mine was never emotional. Like some people think people that struggle with obesity, they go out and order two whole pizzas and eat that and then eat this and eat that. Well, that was never my thing. My thing was always, um, you know, I won't eat all day. And then when it's time to eat something, you know, my plate will be full and I make it get seconds. And then it's all the wrong food. It's all mm-hmm. the processed mm-hmm. fried foods and the sodas and all these different things. And so one day, you know, I woke up and I said, I really am tired of carrying this weight around. Okay. And I called a friend of mine yeah. and I asked him if uh, he could help me. And he said yes. And we started working out and, you know, I gave up. 
And make a long story short, um, back in April, I did a video for my new single that just dropped called Are You Ready? What's the name of and the single? It's, it's called Are You Are Ready? You ready? Uh, it's on the My Block label. And I did a video for the for the, move, for the, for the, for the song. Yeah. And I remember the entire day going up and down the steps. Nobody would know but me because I, I, I don't let people know. But I was struggling. Hmm. And I got home after we did the video. We did it in record time. The video normally takes about 12 to 15 hours. We did it in eight. You know, God bless me to be, you know, really good at what I do. And I got home and I began to, over the next few weeks, the guy that did the video, I didn't know him. I met him that day, Derek Blanks. He's known by everybody. Mm -hmm. He does everything for everybody, secular and Christian. Yep. And I saw him working out on Instagram. Okay. And once again, you know, maybe the fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth, or ninth attempt, this is not my first rodeo, I reached out to him because in my heart I want to change. But in my in my physical, it's hard to make that change. Mm-hmm. I reached out to him. I said, hey, man, do you know about nutrition and working out and all this stuff? Can you give me some pointers? And he said, I really don't know, but my trainer does, and let me let me talk to him, and I'll get back to you. Well, he called me back a few days later and said his trainer would absolutely love to, you know, meet me and, you know, I could come work out with them and they work out on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Fridays. And I remember thinking, cool, I'm going. Right. Okay. I said, I'm, he said, well, when are you coming? I said, well, I'm traveling, go out of town. When I come back on that Monday, I'll come to work out that following Tuesday. So I traveled, came back home that Monday, and I thought to myself, if he doesn't call me, I'm not calling him because I'm not going <laughs> to no gym. And Camille, I remember... <laughs> you tried to run I, from I, it. I, oh, man, I wasn't going, even though I wanted to go. But, you know, yeah. and that's something that you need to do sometimes. You you have the mental awareness that you want to get it done and need to get it done. But when you're faced with the reality of what, what the equation means and what you have to do to be a part of that equation. So I sat there that Monday night. He called me. I was like, God. And I shouldn't have answered the phone, but I'm glad I did. Wow. Because you coming <laughs> yeah. tomorrow, bro. I said, man, I'll be there. I'm, I'm going to be there right and early. Oh, wow. And Camille, I hung up the phone, and I literally said this to myself. Mm. I said, I'm not going. I had just opened a pint of ice cream, and I said, I'm going to be fat for the rest of my life. This is the, this is the, this is the lot that I've been given. Mm. I, it's too hard. My father died from this, and I will probably die from this mm. because I don't have the fight in me to fight this giant. And I ate the ice cream and I was sad because I realized that I had just admitted to myself that I don't have the, the strength to fight. Mm-hmm. So how did you find it? I mean, how, how do you, how do you break, how do you push past that? Obviously you've pushed past it and, and we're talking about that now. So what- I laid down, I went to sleep. I woke up about six or seven in the morning and I said, I didn't say it out loud, but I just kind of, in my thoughts, I said, Lord, um, if, if you just help me get there, mm-hmm. if, you, if, you, if you just help me get there, I'm not saying I'll go back. I'm not saying I'll do this consistently. But if you help me get there, at, le- at least I'll say I, I went. And I went, hmm. and I met with the trainer, and it was hard. Mm-hmm. And something happened. You know, something happens when you work out and you release all these chemicals in Absolutely. your body. Something positive yes. happens. Endorphins. I felt really, mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt really good. And he put it on Instagram and I didn't want to do that, but he, you know, he wanted to tape it and show the world. And I'm like, yeah, I really don't want to do that. But when I got home, I saw, I don't know, hundreds. I had more traffic on my Instagram page than I had ever had before. And it was from all these people telling me, you know, I'm praying for you. You know, you you can do it. And I sat there and I was in tears. I'm like, you know, why am I crying? <laughs> and right. I think that it was just so overwhelming yeah, that yeah. so many people were rooting for me. Yep. Even when I couldn't root for myself. Yeah. And it was it was those messages on Instagram that got me back that Thursday because I didn't think I was going to go back that Thursday. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another. I had lost my job. I didn't know how I was going to pay for all of this. And I called Warren Campbell, my label. And uh, he said, man, this is so big of you to, to, to grab this 
this, you know, grab this mountain and climb this mountain. This is so big of you. Mm-hmm. He said, we're going to pay for your trainer as a label. We're going to take care of that. And um, I've been going strong for the last 20 plus weeks. I'm down 35 pounds. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's, it's going really well. I can't imagine life. Like I look back at my first picture yeah. that I took when I, when I first started working out and I'm thinking, if I had not made this change, where would I be right now? Like, I still have aches and pains because I'm still a big guy. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm 44. My joints and my, my <laughs> you know, bones are like, man, we've been carrying this for a long time. And, but it, it's so worth it. I cannot imagine sitting mm-hmm. at home. I go to the gym three days a week with my trainer. Okay. And then I turn around and go to the gym maybe two, two or three times to play racquetball and to go swimming by myself. I cannot imagine life like it was sitting at home and eating a pint of ice cream every yeah. night. I just, I can't imagine doing that anymore. What what has that think, done for your spirit by having uh, the partnership and the relationship both personally and professionally with Warren Campbell? I mean, because it sounds like they're the, as a label and also personally, they decided to invest in your well-being overall. What, what, what has that Warren like Campbell, you? Uh, you know, it's hard for me to talk about him without, without the tears because um, there's stories I could tell for people that I know who are great icons in the music business, and I allowed them. I won't place the blame on them, but I allowed them. Mm-hmm. Ownership. Because of the insecurities that were in me already, mm-hmm. I allowed them. To steal my belief, what little bit I have, the confidence in myself, I allowed them to do that um, when when they didn't see the vision or want to invest in the vision. And so Warren came along and, and God, you know, you can't be mad at people because they don't want to partner with you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whenever it's, whenever it's your time and it's your season to be and partner with someone, like I talked about earlier, God will orchestrate that and work yeah, it out. Yeah. And we carry these bitter feelings about people and talk bad about people. So-and-so did this, and I can't believe this. And when people ask you, like, like for example, Kirk Franklin, you know, he, he had to let me go. When people ask me about him, I would be an idiot for saying, if I said something like, man, bump Kirk, he fired me, blah, blah, blah. My time with Kirk, for the most part, was incredible. Of course, yeah. Yeah, because so things work out the way they're supposed to anyway. And it's hard out. sometimes for people to embrace that when, when you want a thing or want something to transpire the way you have it envisioned, but you're not. You don't have the final authority or final right. say. So, Kurt, I mean, so Warren has been um, a godsend. Mm-hmm. And professionally, he tells me all the time how much he believes in me and, and yeah. how much, you know, I wouldn't be there if, you know, he said, man, I ain't got time to waste. I, I've got too many projects that I'm working on and he's working with some great people right now yeah and I remember you know when we first started he kept saying Jason (laughs) I don't want to hear this sob story no more he said (laughs) if you didn't belong here you wouldn't be here yeah yeah do what you got to do get it together fix it because I don't have time to waste if I didn't think you had it you wouldn't be here so fix that and let's go to work and ever since then he's been you know always in my corner he's always telling me man i I love your gift i love what Mm -hmm. you do but he always says that i think i think the best thing about you is your heart and your spirit he said people if they get to know you will be able to sell records because if they hear your heart and Mm -hmm. what you possess inside he said they'll buy your records because they buy you of course so so, so amazing. So how do you develop and grow the confidence now uh, to better yourself? You, you've shared what what the journey has been like and how it is still a daily battle, uh, which I of course would ask. You know, what are some of the daily practices that you have to feed to feed your mind, to feed the way you think and the way you operate in the world? So there you have it. There's a two part question: How do you feed feed your mind daily, and then how do you develop and grow that confidence to really believe in yourself? And you've got a wonderful gift, amazing gift. As Thank you. I um, I do it afraid. Joyce Myers preached a message years ago, and I do it afraid. I, it. I do it afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, until the fear is gone. Yep. You know, if the doctor diagnoses you with something, you know, there's some things that you have to do while you're believing for God to heal you. Yes. So 
while those fears and those, you know, those struggles that I have still poke their heads out, I just do it afraid and I ignore them. I feed my mind by constantly reminding myself what the Word of God says, you know, listening to sermons from, from people that I love to hear from. Dr. Charles Stanley, you know, Bishop mm-hmm. Jakes, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Ravi Zacharias, who's just an amazing theologian. He's an apologist, but... Um, and that's what I do every day. I just do it afraid until until I don't feel afraid anymore. I just keep doing what I know to do. Um, and I try not to let my emotions, that's the biggest thing I think I've yeah. learned. My emotions used to run me. <laughs> right. Whatever I felt is what I said. Whatever I felt is what I did. Whatever I felt, if I felt bad, I was going to go get some bad food because uh-huh. it's going to make me feel better. Yeah, yeah, okay. So. Now, so to some degree, Whatever. you're looking for some level of validation. People, you know, we, I think we all go through that, and, and that's where that daily, that daily practice of what you're feeding your mind, what you're feeding, you, you know, your body. Your, your body, body has a lot to do with how, you, how your mind operates, too. Uh, so all of that is, is critically important uh, to, you know, to, to what you do and how you accomplish it. So with you at some point looking for others to somewhat validate you, wh- whose opinions matter to you the most right now? Whose opinions matter to me most right now? That's mm-hmm. one of the best questions I've never been asked. I don't know if anybody has ever asked me that. I'm one of a um, kind. <laughs> <laughs> whose opinions? Yeah, whose opinions? Whose whose opinions matter to you the most right now? You're in a different space. You're you're operating differently. So who who are you listening to? You've shared a little bit of who you're listening to, but whose opinions really matter now? Having grown these past, you know, 10, 15 years where I always needed somebody's opinion to validate who I was, even though it didn't work because secretly in my heart, I didn't believe in me. So it didn't matter if you did. I, I, you, you would, it would mm-hmm. be like a Band-Aid on a deep gash yep. that needed stitches. Your, your, your opinion and your kind words would be a Band-Aid, but I needed stitches. I needed to go deeper and I needed to repair the wound. And so it never got repaired. It just got a bunch of Band-Aids put on it. And now I realize that I don't need the opinions of anybody to, to validate me because my, my battle every day is with myself. Mm-hmm. So it's my opinion that matters the most to me. It's my opinion followed through what the Word of God says about me. That's my fight, and that's what matters most. What I think of myself and trying to balance that with what God says about me and what He thinks about me and trying to get those two things to line up. There's nobody's opinion that, um, that, I, that I need. I appreciate and listen to the wisdom of some of my closest friends, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't have to have anybody's validated opinion about me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What lesson would you say has taken you the longest to learn? That, what I just said, that has taken me 44 years to be comfortable enough to admit that I'm insecure by myself. There's nothing anybody can say or do that will make me feel better. Jason has, his heart and his mind has to be healed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because anything that anybody would say, good or bad, would just, you know, it would just, it would be like you in a, you're in a dark room, you don't know where you are, and then somebody throws a, a flashlight in that room and it just highlights everything mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. in the room that you couldn't see, but the flashlight only had like maybe 30 seconds of battery, so right. you're going to die. <laughs> people's opinions, yeah. people's opinions mm-hmm. are like that flashlight that only lasts for 30 seconds. It shines a light on what's there. And then it goes off and you're back, you're in the dark again. And so I'm learning how to be in the dark and how to, how to face my way blindly through the dark so yeah. that I can get to the light. Yeah, I always, I always reminded that, you know, it's our faith that makes us whole, but God's not coming down to do our push-ups for us. He's not going to say, scoot over, let me bust these out for you. There's still Absolutely. work that you've got to do uh, to be able to, to go from, from glory to glory, from one phase to the, to the other. So we're coming down to just a few more minutes in the show, uh, closing the show up, but I do have a couple other questions for you. And I want you to tell our listening audience from around the world uh, about the philanthropic work that you're involved in 
and now and how you have taken this charge uh, in reconditioning your body, mind and spirit uh, and how you've gotten a lot of people to kind of get on board with you on this journey. So tell our audience about that. So, I mean, you know, my workouts are posted on Facebook and Instagram Mm -hmm. um, when I go um, every week. And I have garnered a mass following, you know, people just encouraging me sometimes, you know, commenting, some people just liking. Um, But since I've discovered this, discovered this passion for what I'm doing, you know, there are people, I remember I got um, an instant message from somebody in Bermuda. Yeah. And he posted a picture of himself working out and he said, Jay Champ, he said, I just want you to know that if you didn't share your journey with us, then I wouldn't be here doing this. And it's because of you that I'm at this gym lifting this weight right, right. now. And I mean, you can't, you can't pay no. for that kind of nope. what that does for you inside when something you did, you know, helped somebody else get to, you know, get to where they needed to be. And so, you know, we, we, God gave me an idea for some t-shirts it's not for me to get rich, but it's for to spread the word yes. and to raise awareness about obesity and, yep. and what it does to people. And so I have these T-shirts that people have been just so kind to. I can't keep them in stock. They buy them. You know, they they um, they email me or they hit me on Instagram or Facebook and yeah. they order the T-shirts. And it's just been a wonderful, you know, wonderful exchange. And I always ask them to post themselves wearing it so that I can share with my, you know, my followers that these are the people that are, have joined uh, Team J Champ, Team yes. J Champ movement. And so that's what we're doing. We're, we're really just trying to help, help each other at this point, share our journeys, our ups, our downs. And um, with these T-shirts, people just identify with, hey, I'm part of Team J Champion, and it's just a way to support. So Yeah, so tell uh, our audience where they, can find, uh, where they can find you on Instagram so they can become a part of the journey with you. It's it's my name, Jason Champion, with an L in the middle. So it's Jason L. Champion, C-H-A-M as in Mary, P as in Paul, I-O-N, on Instagram. And it's the same thing on Facebook, except for I think it's either official Jason Champion or Jason Champion official. I always forget uh, what they how, how they changed it. And uh, if they want to order T-shirts, the email address for that is... Team J, the letter J, and then champion at gmail. Team J champion at gmail.com. All right, you're listening to Finding Your Frequency. I've been your special guest host, Camille Nash. You can find me uh, anywhere Camille's Couch, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Uh, my guest today, Grammy nominated gospel recording artist, Jason Champion. 30 seconds, Jason, finish the sentence. I believe. I believe that God is love and love is what the world needs, and that. In the beginning, life and death, the ending, what we do in the middle part is what's most important. We should start by loving each other and finding ways to not be bitter, to not be unforgiving, to not be brutal, to not be unkind, but rather to take the posture that Christ had on the cross and bearing the burdens of one another. And really, if we're going to be for Christ, be for Christ. And if we're not, then don't. But don't be fake and don't be middle of the road. Either be all the way committed or not committed at all. Be all the way. So get all the way in or get out. You've been listening to Finding Your Frequency. I've been your special guest host, Camille Nash, and I'll see you next week.